Well, good morning, everyone. How we doing? All right. Hey, I just want to introduce myself. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here at Cedar Light, specifically to our young adults. So shout out to some of our young adults here. Oh, man, they're all sleeping in, so maybe over 11 a.m. Uh, hey, uh, Nate's doing a wedding this morning, so I'm going to be here for you guys to serve you. I just want to say uh, yesterday was a great day. We had our fall festival. That's right. Over, we've had over 400 people, I believe. The gospel was preached. All right, connections were made. We provide a fun, safe place for the families in our community to engage with. And that right there is another way to be a light. So praise God and all that he did yesterday. Okay? Um, the title of this sermon, of this sermon today, is No Pressure. No Pressure. Raise your hand if you're feeling some pressure in your life. All right? Well, God wants to tell you today, no pressure. Who here took the SAT in high school? SAT, all right. ACT, either way. SAT, ACT, all those things. For those of you who don't know the SAT, SAT really stands for Saturday. It takes up all your Saturday, all right? It's essentially the worst way to spend a Saturday as a high school student. All right, it's an all-day exam that was used to see how good of a student you were. And whatever that score was, whatever that number was, will determine what colleges you would likely get into. So there was a lot of pressure. I think I took it two or three times, so I'm telling you what. I, I'm not the best test taker. I get jitters during those days. I even remember getting all those, like, SAT prep books, those thick, big ones. Who got those? Who got those? Some of y'all? All right, just me. Okay, you two. All right, great. I mean, they were saying, like, uh, they were saying to practice taking the, use this book 20 minutes a day, and you'll get a desired score. I, I practice 40 minutes a day, okay? I even remember bringing some brain foods, like brain foods during the exam, all right? I didn't bring no Cliff Bars. I didn't bring no PB&Js. No, I, got, I brought my walnuts. No, I brought my, I brought my, my blueberries, my, my fruits. You know what I'm saying? It did not work. It did not work. I still felt clueless through it all. I, feel, I still felt useless through it all. All right? There was just so much pressure building up. And here's the problem. I was putting too much pressure on an outcome to define who I was. Right? I was putting too much pressure on an outcome that doesn't even affect my life today. I can't even remember what my SAT scores were. All right? It was all unnecessary pressure. And I'm afraid so many of you feel this way. Listen, we live in such a result-based society. All right? Almost everything about our lives is measured by outcomes, by visible outcomes. All right, if you have a social media page, how many followers do you have? How many likes do you get? All right, what kind of outcomes are you producing at work? What kind of outcomes are you producing in life as a parent? How are your kids turning out? All right, and we can take this mentality with our faith, and we ask questions like, what kind of outcome is my faith producing? Right? Well, how can I use my faith to achieve a desired outcome in life? How can I use my faith to succeed and not fail? So much so that you have placed 
pressure on yourselves that the Lord never asked you to carry. The question for us to consider this morning is how does my faith relate to the outcomes of my life? How does my faith relate to the outcomes of my life? Maybe some of you are here, right? You, so maybe some of you, uh, you are where you always wanted to be in life. And I just want to say praise God. And I know most of you are not where you would like to be. Your job is not ideal. Relationships are lacking. One or all of your kids aren't walking with the Lord. All right? You're just trying to survive. You're just trying to make it. And you wonder how great your faith is through it all. The beauty about this letter here, this letter was written to Hebrew Christians all right, they were written to Hebrew Christians who were facing the possibility of more persecution by the Romans. How timely is this passage for the world right now? All right, so they had pressure around them, but there was also pressure inside of them. They felt this pressure of asking how were their how their lives will turn out. They had that pressure, and I know most of you, including me, have this kind of pressure. How is my life going to turn out? And through this passage, we will see on how God encourages us to live by faith no matter what the outcomes might look like. So in a lot of that, turn your Bibles to Hebrews 11. All right, Hebrews 11. Verses 32 to 40. Hebrews 11, 32 40. I'm not going to read the whole thing right now. We're just going to do this piece by piece. In light of this truth of no pressure, I have three truths of how faith relates to the outcome of your life. How faith relates to the outcome of your life. And here's number one, one first truth. By faith, You can see great things. Just bank that in your life. By faith, you can. It is a possibility to see great things here on earth. Verse 32, it says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. All right? It says, verse 30 says, for time would fail to tell me, meaning I don't have the time to tell you about these people. So for me, as a preacher, to be faithful to the text, I too will say, I do not have the time to tell you everything about these people. I don't, all right? But here's some background. These people, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, were some of the greatest leaders and warriors in the Bible. They were called judges. David did need I say more. Defeated Goliath, king of Israel, a man after God's own heart. And, and, and the prophets were those who preached the word of God through opposition. And we see in verses 33 through 35 the summary of their outcomes. So that what, what happened to them? It says, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, this is my favorite phrase, stop the mouths of lions. Imagine that. Quench the power of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Were made strong 
out of weakness, became mighty in war. Look at this. Put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. They saw great things for the glory of God. And this is giving you and I a principle that by faith you can see great things. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean you'll conquer kingdoms. It doesn't mean you'll stop the mouths of lions. But it does show us that victory for the glory of God in your life is possible. God can use you more than you can ask or imagine. That God can do what is impossible to man. By faith, you can see great things. The best similarity we have with these people is that they were people. They were people. And if they were people, they were imperfect, weak, and undeserving to do great things. Listen, Gideon came from the weakest tribe and struggled with the fear of man. David was a shepherd and committed adultery. Jephthah was a son of a prostitute and was rash in his ways. Samson was physically strong, but weak in spirit. Yet despite this, we see right here in verse 34 that they were made strong out of weakness. Faith displays your weakness to exalt God's greatness. This is always going to be the formula of our lives. God's going to use your shortcomings, your weakness to see great things for the glory of God. And this is showing us that no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what kind of baggage you're bringing to the Lord, by faith you can see great things. No matter what it is. I love this missionary. His name's Jim Elliott. I've been reading his autobiography lately. He's one of the greatest missionaries of our time. He died at a young age. But in light of that, his death produced a movement of missionaries here in the States. And this is a quote that I want to share to you. He said, Missionaries are very human folks, just doing what they are asked. Simply a bunch of nobodies trying to exalt somebody. It's a bunch of nobodies trying to exalt a somebody. What a great statement to relieve you from the pressure of producing an outcome, right? You are a nobody called to glorify a somebody. That's it. I'm the, no one, I'm the nobody in this world. And you know what? I'm just called to glorify the Lord. As a pastor, as a, as a husband, as a parent, and whatever, however things turn out, however the ministry turns out, however my kids turn out, the biggest thing is I'm just here. I'm a no one trying to glorify a someone, which is the Lord Jesus. This is it. You are not here to make a name for yourself. You are here for the sake of his name. You are here not to make much of yourself, but to make much of God. It's by faith you can see great things. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel here. That is a false theology. I'm not talking about a name it and claim it kind of religion. I'm not promising that by faith you will see great things, that by faith you can see great things if the Lord would allow. 
big difference. Because here now is the tension for us all. What if you don't see great things in your life? Especially if you know you're following the Lord, not perfect, but you're going after it. You know, you're reading your Bible every day, you're sharing the gospel, you're going to do this, but it's just nothing. What if you fail? What if instead of triumphs, you see trials? Does that mean you didn't have enough faith? Does that discredit your faith? And absolutely not. And this leads us right here to the next truth. That by faith, you can endure hard things. This is it. Simple truth. By faith, you can endure hard things. All right, the Amplified Version defines faith as this. Faith is an enduring trust in God and his promises. It's an enduring trust in God and his promises. All right, these people, what we'll see right now in the next few verses, had opposite outcomes compared to the likes of David. Because you see what happens here. Verse 35, it says, Some now were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking, and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. Can you imagine? They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. So it's showing us a big contrast right now. It's showing us that by faith some escaped the sword, but by faith some were killed by the sword. By faith some conquered kingdoms, by faith some were conquered by kingdoms. By faith, some, some quenched the fire, but some were burned by the fire. That by faith, some became famous in the world, but some wandered in the world. That by faith, some were rich, and by faith, some were poor. By faith, some saw success, but by faith, some saw more suffering. So what do we say now about all these people we see in these verses? Did they have a lack of faith? Did they? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because you jump to verse 39 with me. Read this with me. Verse 39 says, And all these, though commended through their faith. Commended through their faith. Meaning, in verse 39, we see that they were honored through their faith. God honored their faith. Some saw success, yet some saw more suffering in this life, but doesn't matter. They were both honored by God. God is showing us an important truth that your faith is never defined by visible outcomes. Never. Your faith is not defined by visible earthly 
outcomes. We go back to the definition of faith right now. It says faith is a conviction of things not seen, right? Hebrews 11.1. 1. So let me ask you, like, if my faith is based on what I cannot see, then why do I define my faith based on what I can see? Why do I define my faith about seeing great things? Why do I define my faith on results, on earthly outcomes, which are ultimately up to God? See, what God is showing us here is faith is not just about seeing great things. It's about enduring hard things. It's about constantly trusting and following the Lord over and over again, no matter how things turn out. This is the kind of faith that the Lord honors. What's similar about these two groups is that they followed the Lord as they dealt with their own brokenness and the brokenness of this world. They had an an enduring trust to follow God no matter what the outcomes would look like. Listen, everyone wants to be David, but no one wants to be Moses. Everyone wants to be Gideon, but no one wants to be Isaiah. Everyone wants to be Daniel, but no one wants to be Jeremiah. Because here's a couple facts about them. Moses never entered the promised land. Isaiah never saw one conversion. And Jeremiah lived to see the exile. If we're going to define their faith on the outcome of their work, then they should not be honored by God. What's it teaching us right now is faith is not about outcomes but obedience. That's it. Faith is not about the fruit of your, fruit of your work. Faith is about your faithfulness in the work. Outcomes don't define your faith. What defines your faith is the endurance of your obedience. That as you go through the valley and the shadow of death, you can trust and follow God no matter what. Faith is not about outcomes but obedience. Uh, earlier this year, uh, my wife and I took a trip to Puerto Rico. It's our first vacation without kids. This was kind of like a big deal. Like we had like three nights, three, four nights. I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with ourselves for these four nights, four days? So I tried to do something fun, something I typically would not do. And I, apparently Puerto Rico had a zip line. And it's called El Toro Zip Line, which is apparently the second longest zip line in the world. And the zip line was about a mile and a half long. A mile and a half long. I, uh, the guy was saying, like, uh, from one end, when you start your zip line to the other end, essentially you go from one town to the other town. And if you were to drive that town, it takes two hours. My zip line took two minutes. So I'm like, this is, not, this is something I would never do. But you know what? Let's do something different. You got no kids. So I looked it up, found, all right, I went to a website, and immediately they give us a discount. I'm like, oh, boy. This is a discount to death. That's what it is. So we get to this. It was like raining a little bit, so I was kind of hoping as we're driving, they would just cancel it, just give us a refund, you know what I'm saying, and just go, go to lunch straight away. But we got there, all right, we were lining up, lining up as we walk up the stairs, and then we see this guy. We see this, like, instructor, and I swear, this, this dude came... 
This dude came back from war yesterday. Like, he had boots strapped up. He was, he meant, he was just all business. He gave you two rules, and you got to say, yes, sir, and then, poof, peace. And I see on and on, every single person, just as, as they were lifted off, just come shouting, shouting into the abyss until we hear them no more. And I'm convinced <laughs> this is it. Praise God I know Jesus. First of all, first of all, what a great ministry job, just in case, just by the way. Like, if you're the instructor, like, can you imagine? What a great job to say, you might die, but do you know Jesus? Here you go. <laughs> all right, like, okay, as we got there, jitters were flying, pressure was building up, and the gentleman, the gentleman that I am, I tell my wife, do you want to go first? <laughs> but I did go first because she didn't want to. Here we are, again, in a plank position. They lift me up, two rules, and says, I say, yes, sir, peace. And I swear, I was shouting, I was shouting, and in the middle of it, I swear time stood still. In the middle of it, I, I was above between two mountains. I saw the river, and I forgot everything. I forgot about everything. For one second, I forgot I was a husband, I was a pastor, I was a parent. I forgot everything. I was just so in awe of the glory of God. And then when I now tell people about these things, about my experience, I don't tell them that I made it out alive, right? I, don't, I tell them about my experience, right? I tell them... Not that I made it out, like not about the outcome. I told them about my experience. And in the same way, I want to show you that faith is not, obedience is not about the outcome. Obedience is about to experiencing his presence. This is what's going on. The point of obedience is not the outcome. The point of obedience is to experience God's presence. Psalm 16, 11 says, in your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hands are pleasures forevermore. His presence. It didn't say in your good outcomes, in the good outcomes of my life is fullness of joy. No, it's God's presence. And I think too many times we've measured our faith by the fruits of our labor rather than the fruits of the Spirit. We've measured our faith too much by the outcomes of our life, by the fruits of our faith, rather than the fruits of the Spirit. Listen, I've been a young adult uh, pastor for a year now, and this past year we saw 17 young adults get baptized. 17. Last Tuesday, I mean, we started with 30 this, this year. Now, last Tuesday, we, we were up to 80. Like, I can... I can easily define my faith on the fruits of the labor. But rather, the, big, the bigger question is not what did I accomplish, it's how did I become more like Jesus through it all. That is the key right there. Because I'm telling you right now, my joy in God cannot be determined by my success in life. Like, my joy in God cannot be dependent on an outcome. That if it is, then I will be discouraged often. If my joy in God is determined on my success in life, my faith will ebb and flow. 
I want you to understand here, God is the goal. Like God is the goal as we see great things and endure hard things. The question through this all is, did we get more of God in our attempts to glorify God? That's it. Because in obedience, we can experience more of God's presence even as we suffer. Even as we endure in suffering. Because you go back to verse 36 through 38 again with me. I want to show you something in this text I've never noticed before. You read this with me one more time. Again, it says, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about and skipped skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. Right here is the verse, the phrase, verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. The world was not worthy of them. Another way to say it, they were too good for this world. You ever tried, you ever tried uh, comforting your friend who just went through a breakup? Right? You listen two or three hours. And just to cap the conversation, you just say to that friend, bro, you're too good for her. You don't deserve her, right? You're too good for her. And I think in the same way in your sufferings right now caused by this broken world, God is telling you in Christ this world does not deserve you. You are too good for this world. Why? Because of Jesus in you. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In Christ you are worth more than the whole world. You are a child of the king of the universe. I want you to see the paradox here, 2 Corinthians 6, 8 through 10. I'm going to read this real quick. It says right here, uh, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Why? The world is not worthy of you. If those, for those of you who are not in Christ right now, you are trying so hard to find your worth in this world. But in Jesus, your worth can be more than the whole world if you would only come to him. Through his life, death, and resurrection, you can have a new life that is worth more than this world. So believe in him. Through, for those of you who are in Christ, listen, your worth is not defined by the outcome of your work. Your worth is defined by the outcome of Jesus' work. The only outcome that defines your faith is the outcome of the cross. That's it. Your suffering, to the suffering right now, let me remind you that your hardships, let your hardships be a reminder that this world is not worthy of you. 
Your suffering will never exceed your worth in King Jesus. Thus, this world might beat you down. This world might treat you as worthless. But in Christ, you are worth more than this world. Bank your life in this. Because by faith, you can endure hard things. And this is now leading us to the final point. By faith, you will receive the better thing. By faith, you will see great things here on earth. By faith, you will endure hard things here on earth. But by faith, you will receive the better thing for forever. Verse 39 through 40, and says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. Better. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. These saints from David all throughout received a partial promise. Okay? What was promised? Hebrews 9.15 says, Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. That all throughout the Old Testament, God had provided salvation and redemption. But these saints right now, seem like David, only experience a partial fulfillment of that promise. Why? Because the full experience of God's promise of salvation is found in Jesus. For these saints... Think about David and Moses and all those guys. They looked forward to something better. That even as they saw great things, they looked to the better thing. That even as they endured hard things, they looked to the better thing. And this is now reminding us today that our faith looks forward to the better thing. It says when Jesus comes back. Faith is not about living your best life now. It's not. Faith is not about your living your best life now. Faith is about living your best life soon. Why? Because Jesus is coming back soon. Heaven is soon, is soon, and we will see him face to face, and he will wipe away all our tears, and death will be no more. That will be our best life. The blessings you have now is a taste of something better. Your sufferings look forward to something better. And this should give us more freedom, more confidence to attempt great things for God because no matter what happens, we will receive the better thing. So may we live today by faith with no pressure, all for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. We just want to say thank you now. We just want to say thank you. That there is a better thing. That you are our one thing. That all we want right now is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. So we look forward, Lord, to the better thing. Help us release some of the pressures that we're feeling in life, God. And may we just be free to glorify you more and more. 
by faith, help us now endure hard things. And also by faith, give us confidence that we can see great things here on earth, Jesus, for your glory. So we thank you now. Help us have more conviction of the things not seen, God. The things not seen, and we look forward for the day that we will see you face to face. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And all God's people say, amen. We'll stand up.